Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Tuesday, the 22nd of November. First up, Elon Musk just fired more entitled brats at Twitter. YouTube's homepage is all messed up. So if you're seeing this video, please leave a like on it. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe. I know it's a holiday week, so I expected some weirdness going on, but something something seems up. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of news. Also, we're going to start opening our advent calendar soon. We've got all sorts of cool stuff. Um, actually, I, actually, I'm going to get right into the story, but I was, I was wondering if I should talk about that. But anyway, uh, Elon Musk wields the axe again. Twitter boss Musk fires staff from sales team during latest bloodbath at social media firm that's seen him reduce headcount from 7,000 to just 2,750. I suspect that that will go down again, by the way, uh, in the form of contract workers. Uh, he's talked about decentralizing Twitter a little bit. He's also talked about you know people <clears throat> the potential for moving the headquarters, which I think would be smart. Um, but you know I think he's probably going to want that number well under two thousand. Uh, it's just my opinion, but we'll see. Elon Musk has cut even more jobs at Twitter, and this time he's focused on culling employees that worked in the tech company's sales department. Musk, who purchased the company for forty-four billion. Assumed leadership last month has now laid off around 50% of the original 7,500 employees and accepted resignations from 1,200 more. The new layoffs came late Sunday night, with some notified that evening via email titled, Your Role at Twitter, and went on to say, Today is your last day working for the company. It was not immediately clear how many salespeople were laid off by the chief twit. Now, Twitter salespeople, this does seem like a bit of an odd one because... They're the ones that bring in the revenue, except I'm not sure you need that many. We talked about, or I talk about later in a video later today about the breakdown of just how much manpower, uh, I mean, human power, they were wasting money on when really most people that want to advertise on Twitter can just do so via the Twitter backend. Uh, when Musk gave Twitter as employees an ultimatum last week in which they could either stay and subscribe to this hardcore version over the company and leave, many more technical roles opted to leave than expected, Bloomberg reported. I disagree with that. I think he got rid of the... If more people quit than expected, that just means that there were more crappy employees than expected. Uh, conversely, a larger portion of employees in sales and partnership positions remained. Therefore, on Friday, Musk asked leaders in those parts of the company to agree to fire more employees. Robin Wheeler, who ran marketing and sales, was one manager who refused to do so. Maggie Sonnywick, who ran partnerships, also refused. Both lost their jobs as a result. I mean, okay. What did you expect? Like, literally, what did you expect? I don't even understand. This is back on, nine, on the 19th. Musk considers future, uh, further Twitter layoffs in sales on Monday. It's believed that the billionaire Musk has now hired <clears throat> Chris Reidy, Reedy, Reidy, to be the new head of sales at Twitter. However, the CEO has not confirmed this move. Reidy joined the team in Twitter in 2012 as senior manager in San Francisco and has been vice president since 2021. Musk hosted a sales meeting with him and sales staff on Sunday, workers have said. Employees attended that meeting, expected an announcement about job cuts, but instead Musk talked about internal plans and the company and his decision to reinstate Donald Trump on Twitter. The rumors of more Twitter layoffs came as political figures who once booted uh, were once booted off the social media giant celebrated their return 
Under Musk's leadership, Republican firebrand Marjorie Taylor Greene had her personal account reinstated on Monday, 10 months after permanently being banned for sharing COOF misinformation. Her account was suspended in January, apparently for repeated violations. She celebrated by posting the platform that she was the only member of Congress to have received such penalty. Uh, You can also talk about Sargon of Akkad, who was reinstated after five years off the platform and quickly uh, passed uh, even me in followers. Uh, Nick Ricada was restored yesterday. There are a lot of people. Um, Sneeko, I think, was restored yesterday. A lot of really big accounts coming back to the platform. Going back to last week when you saw like Andrew Tate and people like that. Here's the actual email. I shared layoff message in full must fire staff from the Twitter sales department. I shared earlier today, Twitter's conducting a workforce reduction to help improve the health of the company. These decisions are never easy. And it was with regret that we write to inform you that your role of Twitter has been impacted. That's one way to write. You're fired, right? Today is your last day working at the company. However, you will remain employed by Twitter and receive compensation and benefits through your separation date of January 4th, 2023. During this time, you'll be a non-working notice. The exact same thing everyone else got. Is it Janu- was it January in the original ones or also February? I can't remember, but you know, essentially they're getting what, you know, two months? No, not even that much severance. <clears throat> then France's uh, Twitter had quits after the layoffs. I mean, it's it's pretty hilarious to me. Like for me, if I had a big salary at a company, I'd make them fire me. You know, that's just what I would do if I was like the head of Twitter, right? Uh, Twitter France. I would just make them fire me. Um, this is last night. Twitter's Inc.'s head of French operations said he was quitting the social media platform whose new owner, Elon Musk, recently fired top executives and enforced steep job cuts at the company. It's over, he tweeted on Sunday, thanking his team in France, which is led he led for the last seven years. He didn't elaborate on the circumstances of his departure and declined to say how many people Twitter employed in France either before or after Musk's takeover. Labor laws in France prevent companies from firing permanent employees overnight. France-based companies have to formally tell uh, staff that they aim to dismiss them about their plans ahead of time, typically via letter with acknowledgement of receipt. They also have to respect certain notice periods depending on the nature of the dismissal and the seniority of the staff. For dismissal, affecting several employees within 30 days, blah, 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 blah. Europe has better employee rights. There's, there's just no doubt about that. You know, they, they protect their employees. Um, you know, and then like once stuff comes out here, you know, it's like, okay, well, when, you're, when your boss tells you to do something, right, you do it. And if you don't want to do it, then there are consequences for that thing. And when one of the things, when your boss asks you to literally do your job, okay, and you say, I don't want to do that, I don't really understand why anyone's surprised that they might be fired. Um, Elon Musk fired Twitter's head of sales after she refused to fire more employees um, and had previously begged her not to resign. Oh, really? Elon Musk fired Twitter executive Robin Wheeler after she refused to fire more more people. Robin Wheeler, Twitter's global head of advertising sales, handed in a resignation on Thursday, um, but on the 10th of Thursday, but Musk persuaded her to stay in the job, the source tells uh, insiders Laura O'Reilly. One week later, the billionaire changed his mind. Two sources said Wheeler was fired on Wednesday after she refused to cut the headcount of Twitter's ad sales team, a department that was already depleted. Of course, Wheeler's, whose Twitter bio now says proud ex-Twitter sales executive, 
tweeted on Friday that the past on saying, to the team and my clients, you are always my first and only priority. She concluded the tweet with a salute emoji, a sign that has recently become symbolic for Twitter employees leaving the company. Platformers Casey Newton reported that some Twitter staff in the sales team found out over the weekend and on Monday that they've been fired and they can't access the systems. I mean, I just don't really understand why anyone would be surprised by this. I mean, you literally are telling them, hey, uh, you're telling your boss, yeah, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. I mean, I respect that, by the way. And, and I'm sure this person had a massive salary and is completely fine financially. Um, but maybe like, I mean, that's fine. You want to self self terminate from your job? Like that's all part of Elon's plan. Uh, I you know, the sales department was probably massively overstaffed. I think where you found a lot of these uh, people who loved the uh, free wine and the and the yoga rooms, these are probably salespeople. They they probably weren't the executives and devs, uh, you know, or um, engineers who are spending time in there. You know, Wheeler has previously been at Coca-Cola, Google, Microsoft. So my dogs are playing. Don't worry. They're fine. Um, but it's, it's you know, the, all these people that are quitting, they probably see the writing on the wall. They're probably ready to go. And it's overall a good thing. And, you know, a note on all the people that Elon brought back last night, really happy to see, you know, really happy to see, you know, Nick Ricada come back and really happy to see Sargon come back. These are people that in my my memory were unfairly banned through, at least with Nick, it was like basically a coordinated flagging uh, thing. And then with Sargon, I, it's hard to remember, he's been off for five years. And next up, Mr. Beast and Elon Musk team up to challenge YouTube. New Twitter feature has huge names interested. Things are heating up in terms of Twitter making moves to compete with YouTube. And it seems like there are some familiar faces lurking in the replies of Elon Musk, eager to help, including Mr. Beast and Marcus Brownlee, um, two people that, well, have the clout and have the money to uh, help make this a reality. And I, I got to tell you, as a content creator, I, can't, I couldn't be more excited. I think that there are alternatives out there, like Rumble, like Odyssey, like BitChute, that are important to support. And I support them financially um, as well as with my content, not expecting any, you know, like earnings or anything in return, just that, you know, hopefully I reach more viewers. But Twitter could actually be a legitimate competitor to YouTube overnight. And with Mr. Beast chiming in, Marcus Brownlee chiming in, a lot of prominent, I mean, Mr. Beast, is the number one most subscribed YouTuber on the planet, and he would absolutely embrace Twitter. When you look at the actual breakdown of um, where people watch your videos, so we talked about uh, this not that long ago, maybe a week or two ago, when the first when news kind of first broke, where Elon was talking about offering YouTubers a higher compensation. I actually think that this comes from a, a general business understanding, but not really understanding the real struggle for YouTubers. You don't have to pay more. You just have to allow for better discoverability and people flock to your, your platform, including better search features. Um, but this article uh, kind of brings the spicy tweets. So you had Elon Musk shared some stats and details about Twitter recently, including testing the idea of compensation for video content on the platform, similar to YouTube. Musk tweeted that his newly acquired social media platform added 1.6 million daily active users in the past week, reaching another all-time high. 
The new owner and CEO of Twitter is trying to improve the platform with increasingly small number of employees over the past few weeks. He also teased that Twitter would compensate video creators for their quality videos higher than YouTube. For their quality videos higher than YouTube, the hint revealed Elon Musk's future plans for Twitter. The Tesla CEO also stated that written content could also be monetized on Twitter as well. This is a bombshell because so many people are using things like Substack and all these other things to monetize. The written word is still popular with a lot of people. Um, there are a lot of people that would prefer to hear a bearded Midwesterner go through some of the, the, the written word, but there are still plenty of people that read stuff. And the fact that you could like literally monetize your tweets or monetize blog posts on Twitter or Twitlongers and things of that nature, uh, another possible game changer. Uh, and you put... Uh, here you have Mr. B saying, I wonder what YouTube's daily active users is. Well, I know that number. We're going to go through that. Anyways, let's see what happens when Twitter offers good video with higher compensation for creators. Musk has always teased big plans for Twitter, even before his acquisition. Uh, the Tesla CEO talked about creating the company X, estimated that Twitter's acquisition would accelerate the growth a significant amount. X is like basically WhatsApp. So a single app that would have your video, that would have like encrypted messaging, that might have... Um, encrypted phone calls, all sorts of things of that nature. Of course, the controversy that's going on, I don't necessarily care about. You see this conversation here, right? Um, you have Twitter added 1.6 million active daily users added, by the way. This week, another all-time high. It looks like their total uh, for this last week is 259.4 million daily active users. Um, and Mr. Beast writes, I wonder what YouTube's daily actives are. Well, I know that. Um, because, well, I looked it up. Currently, at least as in early November, it was reported that YouTube has 2.6 billion active users, but they don't really talk about like they're monthly active. So how do they define active users? It's tough to say. Um, you know, if you look at the third quarter of 2022, YouTube had over 2.6 monthly active users. So meaning you used YouTube at least once a month. Now, we don't know what the dailies are, but it's probably more than Twitter. 52% um, of internet users worldwide access YouTube at least once a month. Over a quarter of the world's population uses YouTube once a month. More than 50% of mobile internet users access it every month. And you see this is monthly active users. They started back in 2010 with 200 million, then 500, then 700. You can see it's still growing, but you know, not by an, uh, nearly as much. Now, if we look at daily active users, it's estimated that over 122 million people use it every day. So actually, Twitter is bigger. It's estimated that over 122 million people visit YouTube every day via its website and apps. 62% of users in the USA access the platform daily. That is equivalent to 1534 million people that's i mean think about that 153 million versus 200 youtube's actually bigger i'm sorry twitter's actually twice the size then elon writes back let's see what happens when twitter offers good video compensation then mr b says higher compensation will be hard some youtubers get 20 plus 20 plus rpms even after youtube takes their cut i'd be shocked if you cracked that code well, I mean, I don't think most YouTubers get even more than $10. Um, but then you see Marcus Brownlee. But I can think of quite a few creators who'd be willing to try and help make it happen. 
I mean, if you actually look, um, you know, at the people in these replies, it's actually insane. The idea that people are like, well, you would need a lot more advertising demand. Well, people are running ads on YouTube on videos. They would absolutely run those same ads on Twitter in video format. If you watch any of like similar channels to me right now, you probably see my Christmas ad uh, for Coffee Brand Coffee. And it's everywhere. Why wouldn't I also run those same ads on Twitter? Of course I would. Why wouldn't Coca-Cola or Honda or any of these other people also run the exact same ads on Twitter? They of course would. There's no doubt about it. Um, and this is even you know this is something five hours ago we talked about. Elon Musk wants Twitter 2.0 to have video chat, voice calls, and encrypted DMs, and has enlisted the help of Signal's founder to do it. And this is again like people have no idea how much Elon Musk is going to get done in six months. I'm telling you. Elon told Twitter users Monday that he wants to add video and voice calls and secure direct messaging. Um, to the social media platform, according to a leaked recording of an all-hands meeting uh, by The Verge. At the company's San Francisco headquarters, Musk gave a presentation with slides entitled Twitter 2.0. He first used the term last Wednesday upon emailing staff. The recording obtained by The Verge reveals some of Musk's plans to update Twitter, including secure communication. Under the plans, DMs would be encrypted, which is awesome, uh, meaning text could be only read by participants, as is the case with WhatsApp, Telegram, and Signal. Musk added that he had spoken with the creator of Signal, Moxie, Marlon Spike, an ex-Twitter employee who is potentially willing to help out with encrypting Twitter DMs. We want to enable users to be able to communicate without being concerned about their privacy, Musk said, setting potential data breaches would leak messages or employees spying on users. In August, an ex-employee was found guilty of spying uh, after passing Twitter's user information to Saudi Arabia, having been paid over 300k to do so. Musk said, it's what should be the case that I can't look at anyone's, it should be the case that I can't look at anyone's DMs, even if someone's got a weapon to my head. He also added that he wanted to allow voice and video chat via DMs, which is already available on Facebook and WhatsApp. Musk explained um, how Twitter could allow for more secure calls, without having to give out your phone number, which is the case with Signal. Replacing phone numbers with more identifiable account usernames is a popular idea among tech circles. Musk last week echoed Twitter founder Jack Dorsey's support for such a concept. All I want is to finally move off phone numbers as ID, Elon says 100%. It's unclear if the encrypted calls and messaging would be available to all users or a part of the $8 a month Twitter Plus subscription. Of course, it will be available for $8 a month. Let me just tell you right now. Of course, it's eight dollars a month. Um, you know, every one of these additional features is going to be another way that Elon Musk is trying to separate you from eight dollars a month. And as long as the service is worth it, that's the thing. Like people don't understand. Like, oh my God, you know, especially as like a content creator, it's like, oh, I got to go to Discord, Gilded. I have to go to um, Signal uh, because somebody's got a tip for me, or uh, WhatsApp because I'm talking to somebody who's um, international and that that's all they use over there. To have that inside of one app would be would seriously be monumental, and I think he really understands that. Um, you know, the planned features could also be tied to Musk's idea of creating the super app. Um, you know, and has spoken about creating the super app comparable to China's WeChat. It's going to be really interesting, um, but it's it's in, they've got things to fix. You can see Twitter's broken copyright strike system allow users are uploading full movies. 
They've got to get that. Like they have to get some level of DMCA in place before advertisers are going to be willing to really spend a lot of money there. And they also want um, to be able to uh, protect creators. Like I don't want people freebooting my content and uploading it with, you know, not non-fair use versions. And um, so there are things that they have to fix there, but I'm sure it's on their platter. Hopefully Elon surrounds himself with some actual content creators that understand the ins and outs of it. I'm sure he will. And next up, Elon Musk listens to Jeremy and unbans whoever he asks from Twitter. Kneel before your master. Did that, did that just happen? Did, did, did I tweet and then moments later, uh, Nick Riccati get unbanned? Did, do I have a special line to Elon Musk? Did I tweet and then moments later have Sargon of Akkad's account revived from beyond the grave of five years of Twitter censorship and banning? Mm, I, I don't know. Probably not. I did get lucky and I did get uh, some credit, even though it's impossible to know if Elon actually saw my tweets. But yesterday was pretty funny in the afternoon where uh, I, t- I tweeted out about freeing uh, Nick Ricada and suddenly Nick Ricada was freed tweeted about Sargon suddenly Sargon was freed however in Nick's case for example I can't just ignore the fact that there were tens of thousands of people way before me that have been pushing the free Nick Ricada Twitter hashtag long before I came along that deserve far more credit than I do but I'm happy to I'm just happy that he's back on Twitter I'm back I'm happy that Sargon uh, the Applebee's manager is back on Twitter, although uh, he passed me in followers in like one day, which is kind of makes me think I shouldn't have led the charge to bring him. But anyway, so yesterday was a great day for uh, unfairly banned accounts coming back. Uh, people like Savannah Hernandez, who came onto this channel to help celebrate her return to Twitter, promptly passing me in followers as well. Uh, Carl Benjamin, Sargon of Akkad, uh, coming back after five years in exile, and Nick Ricada coming back after, uh, I don't know, about six months in exile. And I'm going to explain exactly how each one of these people got banned and why it was politically motivated and why Elon Musk seems to agree. There is this tweet by Dinesh D'Souza who uh, wrote, we don't hear much about Democrats and leftists being let back on Twitter. Why? Because they were never kicked off in the first place. Their, their lies and misinformation simply escaped all scrutiny. Censorship has been deployed as a one-way operation against conservatives at Elon Musk. And Elon Musk literally confirming here, correct. This is the first time that we've heard somebody inside of Twitter, inside the monster, that... Uh, it has been one way. Now we've had plenty of mainstream media people, uh, you know, complain and say, "Oh, um, you know, it's def- it's not a- it's it's they're not unfairly banning conservatives or people that appear to be right wing. Uh, it's actually the left wing that's suppressed, even though we know that that's baloney sausage, uh, and 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 they're just gaslighting us. But here's Elon Musk admitting it, and then you've also seen. You know, imagine if Elon Musk were actually the right-wing, right-wing boogeyman. These spoiled lefty journals pretend he is, and he decided to turn the tables and ban all the left-wing fake news from Twitter. 
there'd be literally nothing left for them to publish. Elon replies, as is obvious to all but the media, there is no one permanent ban on even the most far left account spouting utter lies. There is not one permanent ban on the most far left accounts. I mean, that's shocking. Elon Musk coming right out and saying, oh no, 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 no. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Um, we have right-wing censorship. They say they're going after the apps for now because their laughable attempt to get people to jump platform failed. So they go back and tried some Tried and true, shut it down. This is messed up. He writes, so who came back? Well, let's talk about Savannah Hernandez, who uh, I got the great pleasure of meeting when I was down uh, in Texas uh, hanging. I think I met her twice. I met her in Kenosha, and then I also met her in Dallas. Um, absolute balls of steel uh, reporter, like a guy on the street, girl on the street reporter, but like actually puts herself in harm's way. She was banned for sharing videos of truth. You can see two years ago, Twitter decided to ban me without reason after President Trump retweeted this clip. For two years, my reporting has been banned from this platform. Thank you, Elon Musk, for spending $44 billion so independent journalists like myself can no longer be silenced. I'm so grateful. This tweet got 110,000 likes. I don't think my Twitter account, all my likes together, if ever, is, would total 110,000. And it, he should get banned for this clip says thousands of Trump supporters sing Star Spangled Banner in unison. Now, this was, of course, at the worst day in American history where we almost crumbled. But, uh, you know, this this is great. Uh, Sav is awesome. Her reporting is awesome. And she's a lot of fun and she's intense and uh, and uh, she's going to be a big star. I know it. She's just too good at what she does. Then. Carl Benjamin, somebody else that I've had the pleasure of knowing for a very long time. We've hung out many times, played Magic the Gathering together, uh, did some D&D uh, uh, &D stuff together. And, uh, you know, I consider Carl a friend. And uh, five years he remained in exile on Twitter for a joke. I believe it was the I, I wouldn't even are you joke, if I remember correctly. It may be a different thing, but... It was like an anti-threat. Now, it, when you say it out loud, when you make that joke, um, it, it's like it does put people on a bit of a, a weird, like, you know, um, it, it puts people like off a little bit. Or it's a little, sounds a little spicy, but it wasn't really against, it wasn't, I mean, it was a, to make a point, but Carl Benjamin returns. Again, thank you for bringing back to life, Elon Musk. Five years in exile is a long time. A lot has changed. We are in a different world now. I'm a different man. Things will be different, but hopefully better. The tide may be turning. What this means is, you know, here's another, uh, you know, 23,000 interactions. Savannah got 100,000 interactions. Uh, these people are revered. Um, their, their fans are strong. Their fans are um, loyal. And their fans will now use Twitter more because they're back. Elon Musk knows this. Then also he does shout out, you know, I hypocrite points, you know, Milo. Um, Savannah is back with Tommy Robinson, Stefan Molyneux, um, Medicare, Gavin, Alex, a lot of like really right-wing people. Um, 
but again, these are all, you know, dozens of people who had huge platforms that were all suspended that I suspect he will bring back. Because really, there's no point now. You might as well just do it all at once. Why, you know, why bring it out? Why drag it out? And then to the Pope of Law, the Pope himself, by the way, I will be joining Nick on a live stream tonight. Hopefully, we'll get a bunch of new coffee brand coffee customers. Um, but uh, Nick was banned due to a, um, a brigade of flagging against his account from a particular person who, who uh, is a part of a superpower group on Twitter. There's one group of people that have galactic powers on Twitter. All they have to say is, I'm X and I'm offended and you used to get banned off Twitter. And that's what happened to Nick. They used a video clip of him out of context and, and tried to pretend that he was making some sort of direct threat. And it, of course it was, you know, he's, he's going after this protected group of people, blah, 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 even though he wasn't and he was banned. Now he's back at 135, 139,000, you know, between the two 140,000. What does he have Two. Carl's got like 240. So that's 380. Savannah's got two, so 380, 480, 580, 600,000. Three accounts with 600,000 followers restored. What do you think that's going to do for interactions on Twitter? You know, I dare say they will skyrocket. And I do think it's extremely, extremely uh, uh, newsworthy that Elon admits that this is, you know, correctly... A, a, a censorship faced one side of the political aisle, even though like, I wouldn't say everyone on that list is right wing. I actually don't know the specific politics of everyone, but I know how they were perceived. I know they were not perceived as leftists. So even if it's like how you're perceived, this is how the bans were doled out. And now that a lot of these people are back and get to push back, you know, Carl is a guy that, you know, a lot of heinous things were said about him for a lot of years and he didn't have the platform to even refute that. Now, not only does he do, does he have that platform, but he'll probably end up over three or 400,000 followers on Twitter. So he'll be able to loudly uh, uh, dispute claims against him. So I'm happy, I'm happy everyone's back. Uh, Twitter's getting more fun by the day. Elon's work is not done yet. He's still got dozens of huge accounts, Carpe Donctum, stuff like people like that. Medicare, um, that, that had a lot of activity and would be good for advertising. Uh, he needs to restore them. Uh, Nero, gosh, there's so many. Um, uh, but hopefully we'll see a new wave today and Twitter will be even more fun tomorrow. And next up today, Mark Zuckerberg out as Facebook CEO, bombshell report. Well, it looks like there may be some interesting signs, some new rumors point to Mark Zuckerberg being out at Facebook as early as next year. Of course, they were quick to dismiss these claims via a tweet, but there seems to be a little bit more going on here. Facebook just laid off 10,000 people. Mark Zuckerberg's direct decision to continue to invest money into the metaverse, something that literally nobody wants, is a giant albatross around the company's neck. They've decided to alienate half of their customer base by having uh, policies that seemingly targeted only one group of people and really no new people are signing up for Twitter. 
Kids nowadays use Snapchat or TikTok. They're not signing up for Facebook pages. So Facebook could ill afford to inspire their users to leave to go to places like Mines or other places. But that's exactly what Mark Zuckerberg did because he really wanted those Democrats to win the election. In fact, that's where he put all of his money. That's who, in my opinion, many of his policies served. And now it seems like he may just be out. So Meta officials have now come out and denied the rumors that were swirling earlier today that billionaire Mark Zuckerberg is planning to step down as a CEO of the company that he has built from the ground up. Insiders had told the leak that the 38-year-old decided to step down as head of Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram. The rea they say the decision, quote, will not affect the metaverse, Zuckerberg's multi-billion dollar virtual reality project that has lost the company at least $30 billion. It's, it's hard to even think. Like, you never notice, like, when we're talking about this stuff in these videos, and, like, I say something like $30 billion, and we're all like, huh, okay, yeah, that's... Like, I have no idea... Like, I have zero idea how much money that is. Like, I can't even fathom a bill, a thousand million. Like, you know, a million is hard enough for me to even imagine. So... They go on to say, but Andy Stone, a communications official for the company, tweeted on Tuesday, quote, this is false. The rumor came as Facebook lays off large swaths of employees as the company's profits sag. Investors and analysts have blamed the company's downfall on Zuckerberg specifically and other executives shifting their focus onto Metaverse, which has yet to gain any kind of interest. They say sufficient interest, but it's really any interest whatsoever, and they just have not. Share prices for the social media giant are now down nearly 70% since last year, but we're trending up following the report. Isn't that interesting? So once the report came out that Zuckerberg would be out, the stock went up and it, and it kind of stayed up. Not, I mean, it rocketed up when the report came out earlier this morning. I think the market knows that essentially Mark Zuckerberg is addicted to this metaverse thing that he thinks is going to be the next big thing, but it just really isn't. I mean, nobody has any interest, as far as I know, in in using that product or in, in engaging in it. And even those that are interested will tell you that the thing doesn't even work right. That that like it doesn't even it doesn't even function properly. And imagine having thirty billion dollars invested in that. I don't even know how I could. You know, normally I pride myself on saying like. Here, this is how much like, you know, this would be like a normal thing somebody would do that didn't work. Here's how you can relate to it. But it's like, I don't know. I guess it'd be like paying $100,000 to rebuild the engine in your car and having it still not work. I don't even know. $30 billion. I don't even know how to break that down to like a reasonable number that any, that any of us could understand. Now, of course, the company down $229 a share, 67.57% year to date. It did trend up early, but it gave back some of those gains. Now, I don't care whatsoever about this because Mark Zuckerberg is happy to do the bidding of our government. People, I mean, I know my viewers won't forget this, but, you know, he was happy to ban anybody questioning certain policies, questioning the science TM, even though the science TM seemed to switch it seemed to be evolving i think that that's not like a hot take to say that hey maybe you know hey this is evolving so maybe we shouldn't be like banning people outright 
from these platforms because they they question things that seem to change and evolve on a daily basis during some period of time. And by the way, none of those people have been restored. So just like Twitter, when Twitter, you know, when it came out that Twitter was losing four million dollars a day, it got it was pretty obvious to me why they were. I mean, anybody who was getting any kind of engagement, they were banning. You know, like they just wanted to be a leftist echo chamber so that they could uh, make sure that they help get Democrats elected. And again, we saw Elon Musk today, like confirm that. He didn't like sort of confirm it. He confirmed, he agreed with a tweet from Dinesh D'Souza that was saying, hey, um, like, you know, the only people are all in an uproar about all these quote unquote right-wingers getting unbanned. But the reality of the matter is that there were no left, no prominent left-wingers that did get banned. Now, since Elon has purchased it, there have been a few. Ethan Klein, Hila Klein's account, uh, to name a few. Obviously, Kathy Griffin, she's been restored. But, I mean, outside of that, you know, historically, there aren't really any, like, really popular left-wing accounts that got banned from the platform. So, Facebook, by the way, same thing. I have a Facebook page, Facebook like .com slash quartering. I had the quartering and it got like shut down or something or I lost it. And the quartering is very clearly shadow banned. Like nobody can find the page or they search for it. I post there. I have an, I have an editor that takes all my videos and posts them on my main website, thequartering.com. And like she writes a little article summary of everything. She also puts that on the, on the Facebook page and nobody sees it. And I know a lot of my viewers, they aren't like, big Facebook fans these days, but there's a lot of people on Facebook. I mean, Daily Wire spends $5 million a month promoting Ben Shapiro stuff on there, some some insane number. It's public record, by the way. You can go out and find that. But uh, anyway, um, the report comes as investors have lost faith in Meta CEO as he continues to push forward with his bet on Metaverse. Last month, Brad Gerstner, who funded Alameda Capital, owns hundreds of millions of dollars of worth of Meta shares penned an open letter to the company, making it clear that Zuckerberg is losing the trust of his investors. Quote, like many of their companies in a zero-rate world, Meta has drifted into the land of excess. Too many people, too many ideas, too little urgency, he wrote. Well, that's what we saw at Twitter, right? I mean, 5,000 out of 10,000 people are gone. Or No, it's, um, you know, 5,000 out of 7,500 are basically gone. And nobody seems to really... Notice the difference. Gerstner went on to write, Meta needs to get its mojo back. Meta needs to rebuild confidence with investors, employees, and the tech community in order to attract, inspire, and retain the best people in the world, he wrote. In short, Meta needs to get fit and focused. He suggested reducing the company's headcount by at least 20% by January and said the company should limit investments in the metaverse to no more than $5 billion a year. This is the kind of stuff that happens when you're publicly owned. You get some investor that owns a huge chunk of your company basically dictating what you have to do. Um, this is why, you know, Elon going, taking Twitter private is a really good idea because now it's like he doesn't have to run everything by a board of directors and shareholders and all this stuff. He can become fit and fit, fit and fast, nimble, you know, get stuff done quickly. So my dogs are in the office today and they're being little, 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 uh, well, they're being puppies. So if you see me looking off screen, I'm just making sure she's not eating something she shouldn't be. And my office really isn't puppy proof. But anyway, uh, you know, you see Meta Reality Labs costs versus losses. I mean, you're talking about 30 
$1.1 billion lost in 2022 on top of $21.3 billion in loss in 2021, $11 billion in 2020. So in three years, they've got over $60 billion with a B dollars in loss because, I don't know, Zuckerberg is obsessed with digitizing himself into the metaverse. This is like a president that's gone uh, amok. And now, again, you spent all this time investing all this money when you thought it was never going to end. And then you cut half of your customer base out. You told conservatives that they couldn't ask questions about, uh, you know, the validity of certain things. You told conservatives that if they spoke out against forcing the jab on people, that they would be banned. And you know what? Even if you unban them, many of them wouldn't come back now. They're off on other platforms. They're on GabGetter or Minds, and they're doing just fine. So Facebook is in huge trouble with or without Zuckerberg. And next up, Kathleen Kennedy finally fired, Star Wars saved. New Disney CEO wants her out after Indiana Jones. I, I don't really know how we can keep stacking these dubs. I mean, it, it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening over and over and over again. I mean, first Elon buys Twitter and starts reinstating all of my favorite people. Then Mark Zuckerberg forced to lay a uh, 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 huge portion of his staff off with rumors swirling that he will be out as CEO as early as next year. I mean, <laughs> the meme economy flourishing from Trump rerunning. I, I don't know what else could make 2022 the end of it. Really just kind of make things go feel right. Well, Kathleen Kennedy is out at Lucasfilm. That is correct. You did not mishear me. She is out. I noticed Kathleen Kennedy, uh, link in the description. I noticed Kathleen Kennedy uh, was trending on Twitter and I've been hurt before. I've had this thought before. We've seen this rumor before. And well, this time it appears to be true. Um, the day after the new CEO is back. Kathleen Kennedy is out. Are they related? Almost certainly, don't you think? Via Looper yesterday, what will Kathleen Kennedy's future be at Lucasfilm now that Bob Iger is back at Disney? The return of Bob Iger to Disney will usher in a new age of company throughout all its divisions, including the galaxy far, far away. When Disney acquired Lucasfilm in 2012 for $4 billion, producer Kathleen Kennedy was named president of the company during her time at Lucasfilm president Kennedy has expanded the brand into different avenues between the expansion of Star Wars franchise with the sequel trilogy television series, as well as the upcoming Indiana Jones 5 as and Willow Disney Plus series. By the way, everything I'm hearing about Indiana Jones 5 is it's going to be a final FU from Kathleen Kennedy. In my opinion, you know, just like the MCU. Kennedy did probably even more damage to the Star Wars franchise. Divided the fan base at, at in levels that, you know, like nothing I've ever seen. I can't think of a single movie that divided people more than Star Wars The Last Jedi. And that will be her legacy. Some people really truly loved the new era of Star Wars, and that's okay. But a lot of uh, also some people really didn't like it. And that's not really what you want when you have massive franchises. You want everyone to love it. And there's always going to be some vocal minority of people that don't like no matter what you do. But the amount of people that turned on Star Wars, I mean, 
finding a positive Star Wars channel on YouTube these days is almost impossible. And when you have this level of failure, you have only yourself, your leadership to blame, really, in this case. I mean, whether it was letting the Gina Carano uh, controversy fester, they lost hundreds of thousands of fans over that. Um, people that didn't know Gina Carano wanted to defend her. And turns out she was right about most of that stuff, right? Uh, and obviously that was just after, long after The Last Jedi and the debacle that was the rise of Skywalker and the debacle that was Raylo. And like, again, I want to point out, like, I don't have any problems with the woman, the actress, you know, was it Daisy Ridley? Jeez, I don't, it's been so long since I've talked about Star Wars. I mean, their TV shows, their Disney Plus shows do nothing for me. They do nothing for me. Um, it's just completely boring, irrelevant, and uh, it, it looks like, um, you know, look, The Mandalorian, I'm not going to lie, I liked it. And when they did uh, what they did to Gina Carano, I just had a dip because I just, I, I couldn't anymore. Now, maybe, maybe this all stays a rumor, but it certainly would make sense. Her contract was a lot of people questioned whether or not it would be renewed. You see a lot of people defending, saying, why am I still litigating Kathleen Kennedy's success as the president of Lucasfilms? The films alone made $4.8 Actually, grossed $4.8 The live-action shows have brought and maintained viewers on Disney+. Plus. Not enough, because they're hemorrhaging money, by the way. Grogu and Mando merch sells fair. Automatically. Oh, automatically. And Star Wars is relevant again. I call it a success. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it relevant. I mean, no, I mean, what, what does anybody, what's a rewatchability on Andor or any of these other shows that they're just kind of spitting uh, against the wall? Now, when we look right now, the first set of sites that are reporting this are all rumor sites. The Direct, Cosmic Book News, um, you know, all these sites are sus. Um, and you see here, the news follows Bob Iger returning to the CEO position of Disney as Bob Chapek has been let go. So with Iger back, who basically appointed Kennedy as the head of Lucasfilm, where they developed Disney Star Wars together, the logical thought would be that Iger is keeping Kennedy around. However, according to two separate insiders, it isn't happening and Ken Kennedy's days are numbers. This information comes from John Campia via YouTube. Okay, so it's not like a random person who revealed that the big Spider-Man No Way Home leak featuring Charlie Cox as Daredevil Campia says that he too thought Iger would be back with Kathleen Kennedy, would be more entrenched at Disney, and would finish her contract, which ends in 2025. However, following Campia stating his thoughts, Campia was contacted by two separate sources who said that Kathleen is out. Campia says one source is 1,000% on the money, and while the other isn't 100% right all the time, a lot of insider info has, a lot of insider info has panned out. Worth a mention is that Disney did recently get rid of Lucasfilm, SVP, Michelle Rejwan, Rejwan or whatever, and saw recently saw a news report that Kathleen Kennedy had been ordered to stop announcing projects and are not, I'm sorry, that are not set in stone to avoid negative press surrounding Star Wars. Well, Campia claims that insiders filled him in that Kennedy could be gone as early as the release of Indiana Jones 5 next June or even before. Last night, I got an email from somebody very connected with this morning. I got a phone call from someone even more connected that got in touch with me. Two separate people, completely independent of each other, said Campia, who explained they told him his thoughts on Kennedy 
sticking around were wrong. This is what I've heard. I've heard that the decision will remove Kathleen Kennedy has already been made and that she's gone either sometime before or very, very shortly after the release of Indiana Jones 5. Well, we already know, um, you know, again, this appears to be yet another Kathleen Kennedy is gone rumor, but Campia isn't exactly a run-of-the-mill, you know, rumor site. So it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how this pans out. I mean, she sure loves her feminism and she sure loves her strong, independent female characters. Uh, I don't know. Some have worked, some haven't. I don't have any inherent problems with uh, Ray. The story writing, the story is bad, but it's, you know, it's like when you have 500, uh, you know, different people writing the scripts and you're bringing in two, three, four, five directors or whatever the case is, of course things get weird. Now, it's interesting. Um, you see Star Wars stuff. Kathleen Kennedy will reportedly be leak, leaving Lucasfilm this or next summer, either before or shortly after Indiana Jones 5 releases. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy has made six movies for Disney. In all six, the main character, or when the main character is male, the female character, is a white brunette woman, just like Kathleen Kennedy. Disney paid $4 billion so Kathleen Kennedy could make a self-insert fan fiction. I, I don't know. I will say this. This Phoebe Waller, whatever her name is, replacing Indy in uh, Indiana Jones is going to flop harder than, uh, well, I guess the Indiana Jones fandom isn't as big as, as Star Wars fandom is, but it's going to flop and it's going to flop hard. Uh, so, and that's that's Kathleen Kennedy, by the way. I suspect that the Indiana Jones movie will be beloved by critics and be in the 50s for audience reviews. And I, that's seeing absolutely nothing. But, you know, the rumor of Phoebe Waller, super feminist, being the new Indiana Jones, if that's true, like, that franchise is dead. And I wouldn't exactly, you know, I wouldn't exactly push back against the idea that there's a reason Disney hasn't put out any Star Wars films in a while. Like, it feels like forever since we've had a Star Wars film. We also know that their super expensive Star Wars land in Florida is flopping. So, yes, they, uh, you know, Grace Randolph said that Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger ruined Star Wars in her latest video. Wow, interesting. And next up today, Elon Musk mocks Twitter demise and posts massive gains. Company already profitable. After the news uh, yesterday of, uh, or earlier today, I'm sorry, of the uh, surprise cleansing of even more Twitter employees, it looks like Elon Musk has told the remaining Twitter employees that not only is he done laying people off, but he is also hiring again and asking the existing employees for referrals, among other things that essentially leaked from an emergency all or another all hands on deck meeting. I suspect the person that recorded this call and leaked it will be also fired. I don't think Elon cares for the type of employees that leak company uh, secrets, company data, and um, I'm sure that they'll they'll find this. Now, you know, leaks are, you know, I report on them, so they're an important part of the world. But interestingly enough, it also looks like Elon may have already put Twitter on a path to profitability in just two weeks. Now, here is the article, at least discussing the leaks. As purging, after purging nearly two thirds of Twitter's 7,500 person workforce in three weeks, 
Elon Musk is hiring again. During an all-hands meeting with Twitter employees today, Twitter said that the company is done with layoffs and actively recruiting for roles in engineering and sales that employees are encouraged to make referrals according to The Verge. His comments are, I'm sorry, recording to uh, two people who attended and a partial recording obtained by The Verge. His comments were made during the same day an unspecified wave of cuts hit Twitter's sales department, which I covered earlier today, which has lost almost all of its senior leadership since Musk took over. Musk did not specify the kinds of engineering or sales roles Twitter was hiring for, but the company doesn't currently have any uh, open roles on their website. Now, of course, we talked a little bit about the all-hands-on meeting, and we're going to bounce back to this, but I wanted to talk about a thread about the profitability and the result of the layoffs. This from Charles Haywood, um, a person on Twitter, uh, apparently, uh, who broke down some of the financials. I will now examine Twitter's past financials and predict the future. Sorry, I'll go to this. I will now predict Twitter's past financials and predict the future from them. I conclude that criticism of Elon Musk is bizarrely off base because Musk has overnight changed Twitter's net profit uh, margin from a negative 20% to approximately plus 28% more than Apple or Google. Two, I am using annualized percentages based on Twitter's most recent quarterly filings for the period ending 6-30-2022. These documents are freely available on the SEC's website. Three, annual revenue was about $4.4 billion. Annual expenses were slightly more and fell into four major buckets. Cost of revenue, R&D sales and marketing, and general administrative. Now you know why he cut so many salespeople. Those are roughly 37, 26, 25, and 12% of total major expenses, respectively. According to the company, cash expenses for cost of revenue are essentially infrastructure, hardware, and third-party servers, with some employee costs, namely an ops team. Employee costs include those related to stock option grants. Five, R&D expenses, on the other hand, consists primarily of personnel-related costs. The same is explicitly true of sales and marketing and of general-slash-administrative. In other words, the vast majority of 63% of Twitter's expenses are personnel costs. If we assume primarily is 80% of the tw- of, and that 20% of the cost is revenue is also personnel costs, 58% of Twitter's total costs are personnel. When Musk took over, he had 7,500 employees. Let's guess 70% of those have left. Leaving aside the pay differential, that suggests that Twitter's expenses have, like, permanently dropped 41% overnight. That makes its new annualized projected net profit $1.3 billion. That, this means Twitter's net margin going forward is now about 28%. By the way of comparison, Apple and Google both maintain net margins of 22 to 25%. In other words, Twitter is now more profitable than those two companies. Your mileage may vary. And this is somewhat of an oversimplification, but it shows that Musk can win just by firing worthless losers. Yeah, sure, maybe leftist pressure will keep some advertisers away. I doubt it. When the next current thing arrives, they'll be back. But when you change from a negative profit margin to a margin that's the envy of the tech world, you've got some room to screw up. Also note that it's ignorant to say that Musk has loaded up the company with debt. Debt equity ratio in the deal was roughly 0.3 to 1, when many deals are 1 to 3 or nine times as much debt. Sure, he has to make debt payments, but this isn't some kind of knife-edge scenario as, ig- as the ignorant often paint it. Now, here you have Sawyer Merritt. Does this account for a drop in advertiser revenue since he's taken over? Well, we already know, uh, according to like Hank Green's tweet thread, 
and things of that nature that advertisers aren't really going anywhere. Why would they? You have 250 million daily active users. You absolutely have to keep them. Uh, you, know, you, you have to sell a product. Where are you going to go? Are you going to just on principle not, not sell as many products? I mean, of course not. There may be some companies, for example, that do that, but not enough. And, and also take into account the companies. I mean, what this doesn't take into account is the number of companies that will be returning to advertising on Twitter. Uh, for example, Coffee Brand Coffee. I know we're not spending millions on advertising, but next year we'll probably spend 100000 And if if you had, um, oh, you hear, if you hear my dogs fighting my, it's bring your dogs to work day. I've got contractors in the house all day and now they're playing slash fighting. Anyway, Ruby. Um, so uh, this on top of, you know, Twitter added 1.6 million daily active users this past week. That's 1.6 million new users in a week. That's like 6 million new users a month. Uh, daily active, by the way. He's not saying new, he's saying daily actives. He also said this will improve a lot as Twitter becomes fast to use outside, fast to use outside of North America, Western Europe, and Japan. I mean, it's, it's actually insane how, how quickly this... Now, one thing to, to point out, though, is he's, he, Elon is paying a severance for a lot of this dead weight until February. So he hasn't really changed the immediate outlook in any way, shape, or form of the company. You see unusual whales writing, breaking Elon Musk has reportedly said that Twitter is actively recruiting for roles in engineering and sales again, and that employees are encouraged to make referrals after firing nearly 75% of its workforce this month, per The Verge. Since Elon Musk's $44 billion acquisition of Twitter, the number of workers has dropped from 7,500 to 2,700 people. I mean, I think that's fair. And, you know, a lot of this stuff uh, in the all-hands meeting is really interesting. He wrote, they say, quote, this is not a right-wing takeover of Twitter. It's a moderate-wing takeover of Twitter. Quote, if we want to move the headquarters to Texas, I think it would play into the idea that Twitter has gone from being left-wing to right-wing, which is not the case, he told employees. This is not a right-wing takeover of Twitter. It's a moderate-wing takeover of Twitter. Musk went on to say, quote, to be the digital town square, we must represent people with a wide array wide array of views, even if we disagree with those views. He didn't address the firings of dozens of employees for posting tweets and Slack messages criticizing him. <laughs> Fair. He acknowledged that his ongoing, uh, that his ongoing reorganization of the company will have a lot of mistakes, but stabilize over time. In response to one employee question, he said, quote, significant portions of, uh, oh, I'm sorry, significant portions of the technology stack need to be rebuilt from scratch. And that another point in the meeting, he suggested it would be a good idea to somewhat decentralize things by setting up engineering teams in Japan, India, Indonesia, and Brazil. Twitter's history, historically strong usage in Japan, was specifically called out by Musk as what the company should aspire to ideally be in every country without exception. It may seem as though Twitter in the U.S. is U.S.-centric, but if anything, it's Japan-centric, he said. There are roughly the same number of daily active users in Japan as there are in the United States, despite the fact that Japan has one-third the population of the United States. In response to a question about employee compensation, Musk reiterated that employees will be given stock options in Twitter and be able to cash them out regularly, like at SpaceX, his other company that is also privately held. The way things work at SpaceX is to get liquidity is that every six months there's a liquidity event 
where the company buys back shares. We also invite new investors to buy shares, he said, and we'll be able to operate Twitter in the very same way. Anyone entering Twitter now will work as in a much smaller company than it was before. While uh, the exact number of departures under his watch is unclear, there were nearly 7,500 people with access before. So it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how this all shakes up. You know, I would think that if he's profitable uh, by quarter one of next year, which is what it actually looks like, I mean, you see like this article from Insider, which is hilarious. Elon Musk's hardcore work ultimatum was deliberate plan to push out Twitter employees uh, that he was warned against, uh, that he, after he was warned against cutting more than 50% of the staff. Well, doy, like the only person that didn't know this is a journalist. Like, are you joking? Everybody knew that his, if you want to be here, you're going to have to put your D in the dirt or your, I guess your V in the dirt and work harder than ever for basically the same pay. That is a soft layoff, essentially. I mean, you have that type of situation and that's exactly what he wanted. And last up, Marvel openly admits they hate you in shocking interview. No wonder Black Panther 2 flopped. Well, I don't think anyone was surprised at all by this headline, but it does kind of explain exactly what we've all been feeling. You know how you've been watching these Marvel movies and you're feeling less and less excited about going to them? You've kind of just accepted that they don't really care about the lore or what's canon, whether it's Star Wars or it's Marvel. They're more concerned with essentially rewriting these characters uh, as like woke uh, 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 replacements or self-inserts. Or like in the case of strong white male characters in Marvel, they're more interested in turning them into a joke. I mean, Thor is the perfect example, isn't it? I mean, they turn the guy into the butt of the joke and then they, for like two straight movies, and he's basically become comedic relief when he's probably the most like, BA character that Marvel's got available in their lineup, at least the modern lineup. And you know, it's 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 so like obvious what they're doing that now we know exactly why. Marvel Studios producer considers it a quote red flag if a prospective writers is an original are fans of the original comics. Prefers to hire somebody who's quote out of the culture. Interesting. Maybe that's why they keep hiring all these soy-infused losers that pretend. You know, it's like you always knew something was kind of off when they were like, oh, when these people kept saying like, oh, yeah, I've been a fan of Thor since whatever. And then they'd get something like pretty obvious wrong or they'd only talk about, you know, recent Thor or whatever the case may be. Here's the article from Bounding into Comics is Spencer Bacully. Um or Bachuli, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, as it wasn't as if it wasn't obvious enough from simply watching any of the studio's post Infinity War output, producer Nate Moore has revealed that he believes the key to Marvel Studios' success is hiring writers who are quote out of the comic book culture over anyone who loves the source material. Think about that. They're trying. I mean, they don't care about comic book fans. They don't. They want normie fans. They want Big Bang Theory numbers. You know, people kept saying, oh, I like Big Bang Theory. And that's fine, but they weren't laughing with you. They were laughing at you. And like people, oh, Big Bang Theory, mainstream nerd culture. No, it didn't. It was making fun of nerds. Uh, Moore, whose career has seen uh, him serve as a producer for such Marvel Cinematic Universe's entries as Captain America Civil War, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and most recently Black Panther Wakanda Forever, 
shared his insight into Marvel Studios hiring philosophy during an appearance on a podcast, The Ringer's Town Podcast. Speaking with host Matthew Belloni, <laughs> Bellony, about his general experience working for Disney subsidiary, Moore was eventually asked if there's some kind of Marvel boot camp or something that you do with these filmmakers to ingratiate them into the world and knowing all the things that they need to know, to which the producer confirmed, not really. Quote, or going, so noting that some Marvel writers grew up reading and collecting comics such as Avengers Endgame co-director Joe Russo and Black Panther director Ryan Coogler, Moore told Balony that one thing I think is interesting, and specifically for writers, I would say, is a lot of times we're pitch writers who love Marvel, and to me, that's always a red flag. Always. Quote, I don't want you to already have a pre-existing idea of what is because you grew up with the comics and that's what you want to recreate. Think about that statement. Now you know why Thor Love and Thunder sucked. Now you know why Doctor Strange sucked. That's, why, that's how you know why all these characters suck, right? He literally said, I don't want somebody who loved the comic book and understands the character to ever work writing a book about that character or part participating in creating content around that, 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 that character. He's literally just telling you that. I want someone who's going to be hard on the material who can go, what is this? I think there's a movie here, but we should be looking at it in a different way. Offering up an example of what he's looking for in prospective writers, more than pointing, pointing to the Captain America trilogy writers, Christopher Marcus and Stephen, Stephen McFeely, who weren't comic book guys growing up, but were, wait, Captain America, this seems a bit weird. What if we kind of looked at it in this way? Yeah, like making him terrible. What, what if we made Captain America a crappy character and we turned him into the villain? Like, that, that's, is that what you want? And they weren't married to anything and nothing was sacrosanct. I think that that's so dumb because if you grow up knowing the, just because you grew up knowing the comic book character or knowing the, the story or knowing the lore, that doesn't mean that you aren't going to uh, uh, love it. That you aren't going to, I'm sorry, accept changes to it. Just because that's the case, that doesn't mean that you, you're like married to the character the way they initially were. I've, I've grew up with a lot of characters. There are a lot of things that I would accept about changing He-Man, except turning him into a, a puss bag, a soy beta male who's uh, constantly pushed around by a woman with the haircut. You know, there, there's that kind of stuff that I don't like. That has nothing to do with me growing up with the character. It has everything to do with, you know, me recognizing the emasculation of, of strong male characters in film and in entertainment because that's on purpose. Quote, I think it's important to go look at the source material is great and I love it. And comics were great in the medium that they were built in, but that's not a direct one-to-one -one translation to the best version of the movie. Fair. I agree. Sometimes it takes someone out, uh, who's out of the culture to go, hey, I know you think it should be this, but maybe it should be this other thing. Yeah. Ask Taika Waititi how that turned out for his Thor movies. How, how basically Chris Hemsworth came out and said, without saying his name, that he's not interested in working with him anymore. Maybe, maybe Chris Hemsworth is a little tired of them turning his character into a, a, like a laughing stock. He signed up to play this totally BA world-saving superhero, and he's been reduced to a fat joke. You know, that's what it is.
The tone of Ragnarok is all Taika because he wasn't afraid, he wasn't married to Thor on the page, concluded the producer, believing himself to be complimenting the director rather than hitting the nail on the head as to why so many fans have been turned off by Taika Waititi's God of Thunder. I haven't read every Thor book. I have read a lot. I could tell you that uh, a run that is tonally, I couldn't tell you a run that's anything tonally like Ragnarok. Look, I actually think Ragnarok is a fine movie, but I didn't need another Ragnarok in terms of Love and Thunder, which barely broke even. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Thor can't can't pull a billion dollars in the movie theater? Maybe it has something to do with the director. I know it's all pew pews and cool and, and threesomes and stuff with Taika Waititi, but regular everyday fans of Thor don't want to see the guy, first of all, play the same damn role three times in a row. I'm finding myself. I'm seeking myself. Then, second of all, see him emasculated. See him losing constantly to stronger, more witty whammon and be turned to the butt of the joke basically in every Taika Waititi movie. You know, and like, including in Endgame. He was basically a joke in Endgame. You know, like, maybe that's why people don't want to go see Thor movies in the theater. And, and now Marvel just admits it. That like, hey, and look, I understand what maybe he's trying to say in that like, we don't want to hire super fans who are immovable objects and say that no this is the lore and this is the way it should be but that's not what he said he just says oh it's a red flag if they if they actually like the books well let's see how you know the box office goes you know thor love and thunder did not do well in the box office i mean it made it grossed a bunch of money but it didn't make a lot dr strange did um spider-man no way home certainly crushed it there's really no denying the success of that movie the eternal sucked Shang-Chi underperformed, Black Widow underperformed, but with an asterisk because, you know, that was like really the first big movie out of uh, the lockdowns and stuff like that. So, like, we're going to have to see, you know, the original Black Panther, uh, you know, is it'll be Black Panther Wakanda Forever will be one of the first Marvel sequels that didn't outperform the original. Think about that. Maybe it's because they keep hiring writers who are out of the culture. Maybe maybe somebody in the culture would say, hey, you know, I get the, the laughing goats thing. Okay, you can just, but like maybe don't make Thor a fat loser, okay? And playing video games. Like that's a little too on the nose for the culture. They basically turned Thor into what they thought of their own fans in Endgame, right? Like it, it, was, it was just pathetic. And now we know why. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it and you click that subscribe button down below and we'll talk to you again real soon.